Hello, this is Bonnie Pugh with The Union Movement. I'm excited to share an interview conversation that I had with a friend of mine, Ruth Erickson. Uh, we met her years ago now, actually. Um, she's from Idaho, uh, beautiful Idaho, and she shares um, so openly and vulnerably with us today about uh, a painful thing that she went through where her husband, she found out that her husband was having an affair. And it was, anyway, in, in our conversation, she shares about how she managed to not fall apart completely, how to heal, how to come back to a place of wholeness, and how to not lose her faith. And so she, um, we're so grateful that she did that. She is the operations director and worship leader down at the House of the Lord Church in Northern Idaho. She's a mother. Um, and she loves ministering to other women who have gone through similar painful things. In our conversation, oh man, we talk about so many things. We talk about the the power of covenant, the power of having an identity secure in Christ so that no matter what other people do to us, we don't have to lose the foundation of who we are. Uh, we talked about um, being able to process painful emotions and how uh, sometimes in our civilized cultures, we've actually ended up almost like bottling and stuffing our emotions and that causes so much damage and instead being able to find healthy ways to release that um you know she gives advice about how to forgive and how she says this really powerful line she says reconciliation you know in times of marital unfaithfulness reconciliation would be an optional according to scripture but forgiveness is not an option i thought oh that that's powerful she also said, you know, talking about the power of God to restore our hearts, she said, he will heal anything that we let him touch. And I just think maybe there's some of you today, you're listening and you're, maybe you tuned in, you've maybe even just found us for the first time today uh, because you're going through something similar, something painful. We just want you to know, um, man, God sees your broken heart. And even the words that Jesus, Jesus proclaimed when he started his ministry here on earth he was quoting Isaiah 61. And one of the big pieces in that is that he said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. So if that's where you're at today, um, man, we're, you know, reach out if there's anything we can do and we can even connect you with Ruth. We'll share that in the show notes. She is happy to be a support to you. You can also find she has um, been a guest blogger for us over on our website, www.theunionmovement.com slash blog. You can find Ruth Erickson there. Um, but for now, uh, I'll just share, we'll share this, this conversation and please do be in touch. You know, if you have any further, you need further support or you have any questions. And also, um, as this can stir up, you know, some deep pain and emotion, then we always recommend this, this podcast cannot take the place of professional counseling, um, or, or even just face-to-face, -face, um, counseling, you know, men mentoring, those conversations that you need to be having with people who know you and are in your in your life on a day to day basis. Um, so we encourage you to reach out in those in those avenues um, for healing as well. And so now here is my conversation with Ruth Erickson. You're listening to the Union Podcast. The Union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality. On this podcast, we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. 
Hello, and welcome to the Union Podcast. I'm here with Ruth Erickson, who I've been now connected to, friends with for a few years. I'm trying to think when we met. That was, what do you think, four years ago? Three years ago in Spokane at At the conference. conference, I loved it. We sat down and had lunch together, you know, and just kind of got to know each other. And uh, I so appreciated her right from the beginning, just her friendliness and her uh, even transparency and encouragement. Honestly, thank you so much, Ruth, for even being with us here today. Oh, it's an honor. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. uh, When I say transparent and vulnerable, uh, you guys are in for a treat because she um, has gone through some things that she uh, even just before we started recording, she was talking about, you know, she's gone through things that have caused a wounding in her, but she has by the grace of God, found healing and now is just desiring to release that healing to other people who are going through things. But we're going to let her tell a little bit more about that in a minute here. But she is the worship director, worship leader and operations director at uh, House of the Lord Church in North Idaho. Beautiful Idaho, man. I We visited there when we were down in Spokane. Then we head over to Idaho a couple of times. It's gorgeous. It is. It's wonderful. We love it here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your family and, and also about music is a huge part of your heart. Can you just share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so I'm married to my husband, Severin. We've been married for six years and we have a blended family. So Severin um, has a son from his previous marriage. My, my bonus boy, um, Connor is 16, which just is kind of mind blowing. Uh, and then my boys from my previous marriage, uh, Landon is 11 and Keller is nine. And then our baby together, our cherry on top, little redhead, um, Thea is five. And How, so, can you say her name? Thea. Thea, cute. Yeah, so we have a yours, mine, and ours. And yeah, so, um, and then music is, has been a part of my life. Both my parents were worship pastors at our, at our church growing up. My sisters and I grew up singing four-part yeah. harmony together. So just very classic Montrap type situation. <laughs> um, and I've been leading worship since I was about 15. Um, and it's just been the biggest place of healing and mm. home for me. Uh, and so I uh, love being able to lead my church in, in worship and, um, have had the privilege to lead at conferences and women's retreats and that kind of stuff. But, uh, I also have a, a worship project. Um, one of our pastors, Joel Eklund and I have a, um, collaboration called the well MSC. So you can find our music there and for sure. Yeah. We'll make sure to take, you know, um, put it in the show notes of like where to find you and yeah. the well and all those things too. And you're, um, maybe this, you know, we can talk about another project you're working on right now mm-hmm. is you're writing a book I and, am. and the book, that's kind of the topic that we want to talk about today is the content of that book, which is like I said, pretty vulnerable content. Can you, uh, why don't you, can you share why you're starting to write it and what's about what is yes. about? So the book, it doesn't have a title yet, but it'll be something along the lines of how to heal from your spouse's affair. Um, so, um, and so that's kind of the the big splash. Now it's out there. People know what I've walked through, but I I like to give a disclaimer. Um, anytime I share my story, it's the, the power of truth. You know, the, the word says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so the word of my testimony has brought healing to numbers of women who've walked through the same thing. Um, so it's important for me to share it, but it's also really important for me anytime that I share it to, to note that I have uh, forgiven my, my ex-husband and the woman that he was with, and they do not stand under judgment from me. And so I don't give other people permission to stand in offense, to take up an offense on my behalf or to stand in judgment. 
um, they're covered by the blood of Jesus and that that's what I'm covered by too. So it's, it's really important for me to know that I'm, I'm not trying to uncover anyone or bring shame or condemnation to them or anybody else who has walked through the choices that they made. Um, my purpose in sharing my story is to bring hope and healing to, to women and men, but I, my focus and my book is, is directed towards women, um, who've walked through that same fire or who are walking through it in real time. Um, so yeah. And, and I, I apologize in advance if I, if I use language that is female directed, that's how I'm writing right now. And so that's, um, but I know that men walk through this as well. Um, my husband walked through the same, my current, my, my current husband walked through the same fire. And so, um, if, if you're a man listening to this, um, I see you and you matter as well. And, uh, men and women experience that differently, but it's, uh, yes, a huge life-changing, um, experience. Um, and I also want to say, you know, I, I walked through a divorce as the result of that affair. Um, but I know that there are couples out there who are able to reconcile. And so I never want my story to be a prescription about what should happen. It's just, um, it's just my story. And, um, yeah, God is, has healed me and has redeemed my life. You know, my name is Ruth and I feel like the story of Ruth and the kinsman redeemer and all of that, like my life has exemplified the Lord's faithfulness and mercy to me. So I just love it. Honestly, I love, uh, even, you know, we're on a zoom call right now and I'm looking in your eyes and I go, yes, you have been healed and how beautiful it is that you can, um, come, you know, even on this recording, but I know you, you know, you testify in public, you know, in public mm -hmm. settings and, and now you're writing this book and like, you're going to create it, it. People can look at your story and say, if she could be healed, mm -hmm. then I could be healed. And if she, if her life doesn't have to be end in ruin, my life doesn't have to end in ruin, even though this is like, it broke your heart. Like it mm -hmm. was a, it was a betrayal of a covenant that you, I know you're, you're going to share this as we go along here. Um, and the emotion that comes along when you go, what, like I, I made the right decisions and this isn't, it's not fair, but I love, thank you for, you know, reminding we all come under, you know, as followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. And if you're, you know, if you're aspiring to be that we all come to the foot of the cross and are covered by his grace and forgiveness the same way. So if we withhold forgiveness to others for how they've wronged us, then even scripture say, Jesus said, I can't offer forgiveness to you. Like you have to come in that humility. So I just really appreciate your, yeah, your spirit in sharing that here. And I believe that it's going to be really helpful to all those who are listening. Uh, okay. So if we can dive in, what, yeah. what happened? Yeah. So, um, I had been married for about, uh, six and a half years and we had just started, um, uh, a business together, um, and had hired, uh, a secretary to help us. And we had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and I'll just kind of give you the abbreviated version. Um, but I, there had just been a shift in my husband over about, you know, a six to nine month period is really when I saw things, when, especially when I look back at pictures, I can feel the shift happening in real time. Um, I just really thought it was stress and, right. you know, we just had our second child and, um, as I was telling you before, before we started, he didn't sleep very well. And so we were sleep deprived and just started a new business. And, um, and so I just really attributed it to normal kind of a season of marriage where you have to work harder. So I had been in counseling, um, had asked him to come to counseling as well to kind of figure out like what, what I could work on to help us reconnect. And in our first counseling session, he 
uh, told me, and it just leveled me. He told me, I don't love you anymore. And I don't think I ever loved you. And I just remember being completely like, that was like the first blow to my heart. Um, everything just kind of cracked and the foundation of my world just, I was, I just couldn't understand what was happening. Um, and I just remember that night not being able to sleep and curling up in a ball and just repeating to myself, like I had to reach back in my mind and find something that was solid because yeah, you know, I met him when I was 18 and, and we'd had a wonderful dating relationship and, and I felt like we had a wonderful marriage and a family and uh, we were both believers. We were active in our church. And so I was just trying to get something that felt grounded because everything seemed shaken. And mm-hmm. I just remembered this moment at this youth camp where I had received a touch from the Lord and just felt his presence so deeply. And I was like, that was real. I don't know if anything in my life is real right now, but I know that that was real. And I just felt God come into the room with me. And I come just, repeated, I am Ruth and I am okay. And I, you know, it wasn't like I thought about, but that, that declaration of me kind of looking at who am I inside of this marriage? Like there's a personal identity that I have as a human mm-hmm. and just kind of holding on to that as I tried to navigate what was happening inside of my marriage, something strong to tether to. Um, so kind of fast forwarding over the next couple of months, those months were really excruciating for me because I was trying to unpack why he was so unhappy. Um, you know, I was aware of all of my flaws and my, my failings as, as a wife and as a mother, um, mm-hmm. they didn't seem like insurmountable to me, but I wanted to make sure I took account of everything and, and did to do my best. Um, but about three months later, I, it was late at night. My kids were in bed and he had been working late nights and I had a couple friends over and, um, I texted him and I don't know if, if you're iPhone users, you'll understand what I'm talking about, but iPhone to iPhone is a blue message, but it sends green sometimes if someone's in a bad cell range area. And I knew that this, this woman that we had hired, he had given her a ride home one time. And when I texted him there, it, it turned green. And he told me he was at the office and it turned green. And I knew he had, he had cell service and internet at the office and something in me just clicked and knew. And I had had some, you know, some misgivings about their connection. And, but he had really said like, this is one of the reasons I'm having a hard time is you're not trusting me. Um, so I was really like, I was determined, like, I trust you. I love you. I'm committed to you. I remember looking in his eyes one point and just saying, there's, I will never leave you unless you abuse me or cheat on me. Like I am in this for the long haul. Like you don't even have to love me. I'm just here for you, you know? Yeah. Um, And so anyway, so I, in that moment, I just, something shifted for me. Um, One of, I, I, God knew the timing. It was perfect. One of my friends was able to stay with my kids. One of my friends drove me. We drove by the office, didn't see his vehicle. And I just knew to drive to her house. Um, And we drove by, didn't see his vehicle, drove another block down and his, his car was parked a block away. I get out. I just run in there. She lived in her parents' basement. I feel really bad for them. I barged in there. And I just, I think, I mean, you think of like a traumatized mammal is what I, what I felt. I was going to say, I could just feel the adrenaline. I felt um, like a, like, uh, and I felt like an animal. Like I just, Mm -hmm. there was like every emotion, every intense negative emotion was running through my, my body, sheer panic, anguish, despair, um, fear, you know, so, um, banged on the door where where they were, it was locked, you know, just screaming, swearing, like just lost it. Um, he snuck out the back. I found him, chased him, you know, laid it in, laid into him. Um, 
and was just, I think all of the, all of the pent up emotion from me having tried so hard to fix myself yeah. and then realizing, oh, that, that wasn't, this wasn't, it this wasn't, wasn't about that. It, this is something else. And, um, you know, went home through all those clothes out the window, smashed our wedding photos. Like I, I just, it was a very visceral and, yeah. um, intense adrenaline experience. So research shows like it's, it's the most traumatic experience a body and a heart can go through other than losing a child um, is walking through. Wow. Betrayal. Hmm. So just total trauma mode. I I'm happy to say that after that moment, I never lost it like that again with him. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to walk in more dignity and self-control, um, which at this point I'm just so grateful for, but, um, yeah, I, when I look back at that, I think that was a, that was a normal and an appropriate response to the kind of violence that had been done to my heart. Um, and it's interesting yeah. that you say that. Cause I've considered about in the old Testament, mm-hmm. how, when people would go through intense things and usually it was linked to, um, sex, sexual sin mm-hmm. or death, then God would say like, like he gave, would give these instructions on how to face it. And it usually included a physical response, which, yeah. and people will laugh like, haha, pulling out your beard, ripping your clothes. But I think when we go through mm-hmm. trauma and we don't find a way to like kind of release some of that, I think that's when we start to implode. Yes. So I understand that you're like, like, a, you know, I chased, I yelled, I smashed <laughs> things, but it's like, we, in our society, we haven't really created these like appropriate, like, here's what you, here's something you can do. Go ahead and express your pain. Yeah. Yell if you have to, or wail, right? Like, where is the morning of wailing? Right. Like, that's just kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. Um, anyway, so I think there might be some like biblical old Testament there, space. There absolutely that. is. And I, I think, you know, so I've, I've counseled women through this process and I will ask them, have you wailed yet? Whoa. Because there's, there's something, there's a sound that needs to get out hmm. of you when you are, when you've encountered loss. And same thing when I, when I had a miscarriage, I needed yes. to grieve that I needed. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, these, um, you know, what I experienced in this uh, affair really was a death of, yeah. of my marriage. And so, yeah, I think when we, when we have loss, there's, there is um, a visceral and physical experience that we, we, it's so healthy to release. And I, I like, I, I think in our stoic Western culture, especially, you know, white culture too, that, that, that that's Dude, yeah. really, we haven't made a lot of space for that. I, no. I have friends from other subcultures that, you know, even in, in the West that do make more space for that. And I, I feel like that's something that I've really grabbed a hold of. And I try to give other people permission to when they're messy. Pain. So yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, that's a really good point. I feel like I'm like, we could probably have a whole conversation around emotions and processing. Um, Oh, okay. So that first night, you know, you have this emotional response. What do you do the next day? Well, I didn't sleep. I remember just kind of, um, you know, that, that flood of like adrenaline you get when you like, Oh yeah. Get in a car accident or something, you know, it was like that very sustained, um, for, for weeks, actually, I, I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Um, for, for a couple of weeks, I remember I lost like 20 pounds Whoa. and I, yeah, that's not the way you want to lose the baby weight ladies. So, yeah. um, it was, yeah, it was very traumatic. I was grateful that, um, my mom who was a counselor and had walked through this with people that she counseled, she had already given me this book that's called what to do when your spouse says, I don't love you anymore. Whoa. And I didn't really want to read it because 
it was talking about adultery stuff. And I was like, I'm not going there. I trust him. Like I believe him, but started delving into that book. It was so helpful. It's written by a guy who, whose uh, counseling practice is targeted into helping people who, who one spouse is having an affair um, okay. counsel through that. Um, and so that gave me a real framework on how to like what to do in terms of like making, and it's really funny because it's, uh, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's not what you would expect from a Christian counselor because he's hard hitting. And he's like, if you fluff this up, if you try to minimize what's going on here, it's not, this is not going to work. You have to wake him up. And so you have to make immediate demands and boundaries and let him know that this is a huge deal because people who are engaged in an affair are literally under the influence of a drug-like state. Wow. Of, um, the, you know, the, the power of sexual connection and right. romance tied in with the adrenaline and the excitement of a secret. And it's, it's like intoxicating and addictive. And so like the goal is to like wake them up. So I put up some huge, quick boundaries, made a list of things like this needs to happen. If you want to save our marriage, this needs to happen. Um, not unreasonable things, but you know, severe things like you have to cease all contact with this person. Then you have to right. you know, give full access of all of your phone and email, you know, so all these, all these things. Um, and it, of course this, this happened over the matter of a couple of weeks. Um, and did you know right away that you were like, I'm willing to save this marriage if he is, how did you get there? Um, I, th- I think that that is where I started in my default mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, I knew that I wasn't going to stay if he wasn't going to make a huge change, but yeah. I, I didn't. So I, I was raised in a Christian home. Divorce was not an option. It's not that I didn't think that that was a possibility. I just didn't want to consider that because you're like, I will kind of flush out all the other options first. Yeah. Like we and I try. had seen people reconcile after this. And so I knew in my, in my brain that that was a possibility. Gotcha. Um, and so, and I just, I felt like I had the grace for, for that to be a possibility. Now at this vantage point, looking back, knowing other people's stories, I know that there are people who that happens and they're released in that moment and they know that yeah. they're, they're done. And I do believe that there's biblical precedent and that's, that's also an option. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I use this analogy that, um, when an, when an affair is exposed, it's like, um, if you think about the marriage as a child, so this would be like my six-year-old because my, mm. my marriage was six years old, um, almost seven, which is like, so cliche, the seven year itch, the secretary. Oh, I mean, sure. I just was like, are you serious? This is my life right now. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah. there was this, this image that there, there was a child that had been mortally wounded and mm. looked dead and we get it to the hospital is put on life support. And so there's this like small possibility that it could come back to life. Gotcha. Um, but there's, you know, some, sometimes people are put on life support and they just never right. survive. Um, and I think a lot of times in, in the church, especially in well-meaning friends and family, we think that we're the doctor who can give this mourning, grieving woman at the bedside the advice of whether or not to take it off life support. Or just wait. Mm. Um, but really like God is the doctor and we're all in the waiting room and we're just supposed to be bringing coffee and food and praying and loving and supporting. And if that woman decides based on the conversation she's having with the doctor, that it's time to pull the plug, right? we grieve with her and we do not blame her for the death. And what I have seen in a desperation for life that the church has been like, it's alive. Look, it's breathing. It's the heart. Wow. Is breathing, even if it's artificial and we don't trust someone to make that decision. And we would never 
I hope that we would never speak to someone who had just lost something so precious that they didn't want to lose, that we would blame them for the death or Hmm. convince them to carry around this dead body for years. And so it's really on my heart. I I know there there are so many Christian resources for people who want to work it through. And and I believe that people can repent and be healed and set free. Um, Yeah. For me, I feel like my mission is to, to come alongside women, any woman who's walking through it, but especially women who where the marriage dies and helping them grieve that and, and protect them from the well-meaning, but really damaging narrative that mm-hmm. if, she, if she files the death certificate of the marriage, if she files the divorce or participates in the divorce that she mm-hmm. has sinned, um, every time a marriage dies this way, divorce is always a result of sin. And sometimes it's two people's sin, but right. a lot of times it's one person's sin. And we cannot, as the church, ask people to repent of a sin that they didn't commit. And yes, it's, it's caused so much damage. And I'm so grateful that um, I haven't encountered a lot of that in my walk, mm. um, but there's a real fear there. And so I think the church needs to be a louder voice to just say, we're a safe place for you to heal and we're going to protect wow. you. And um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was kind of a tangent, but no, that's important. I think it really is important because there are there like, you know, obviously there's always these two extremes and there is some extremes where it's just like, I've decided that because I'm no longer happy, then I'm just going to get a divorce and God's okay with it. And so then we're like, whoa, 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 that's not, that's not biblical. But on the other side, it's like, okay, well, if I do, like you said, file this death certificate, um, like because of adultery, Mm -hmm. like Jesus said that was okay. And so who are we as the church to say like, no, 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 no. Right. I, I think that's really and important. It's complicated. Like I won't lie. It's complicated. And every, every situation where I've known that someone's on life support, like that's complicated because yes. there is a, there's a sliver of hope always. And yeah, it's, but it's a very personal decision. And, and I feel like it's almost, you know, not a decision that's, you know, it's not sin or not sin. It's, it's really, it's personal. And so um, absolutely divorce is hated by the Lord. And yet he decreed a divorce certificate to Israel in Jeremiah. He talks about mm. divorcing her yeah. for her adultery and God hates adultery. And, um, and, yeah. he, and I'm not saying he hates adulterers. adulterers. Yeah. No, he yeah. hates sin because it destroys us. And um, he hates divorce for all the same reasons we do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I am absolutely pro marriage. And I think what the cry of my heart is I'm, I am pro like real true marriage. Like I'm pro faithful covenant marriage. And when someone steps out of that, when someone breaks that covenant, it doesn't help anything to call it whole when it's broken. Right. So I, I, I feel like we need to do more preventative stuff. I love what you guys are doing at the union because so much of, um, of these behaviors are rooted in wrong ways of thinking addictions that start early Totally. I don't, I can't think of anybody who's fallen into, especially maybe men who've fallen into adultery, who aren't also struggling with pornography. Right. And it's just, it's a sexual maladaptive behavior, you know, it's, and it's avoidant too. Uh, something that I learned in kind of studying it and trying to understand what was going on for him um, is that it's, it's an avoidant behavior. So if someone's like struggling with communication with their spouse, a non-avoidant response is to say, Hey, I don't like it when you do this and, and communicating. And if that's not working, then, okay, we call in some help. We get some pastoral counseling or some, you know, a licensed mental health, health therapist. And like, we try yeah. to work on this and, you know, and then you kind of take these next steps to, to escalate the cry for help for the marriage. But right. 
adultery is this, um, it's very avoidant. And that was, that was news for me. I thought that mm. it was, um, you know, something that people who were really I don't know, obvious or loud right. would do because it's such an intense, risky behavior, you know? Um, but as I learned that it was, it was people who were less likely to deal with their, their own stuff in a vulnerable way. It's, it's not real intimacy. Um, cause we were made for intimacy. And even like, I, I think sometimes we say like, oh, women are made for emotional intimacy and men are made for physical. It's like, no, we're both right. made for both. Right. And so then, um, you know, in the scenario of a, a man who's avoiding connection, intimacy, vulnerability, it's like he was made for that. And so there's like this, like, okay, well, if I don't have emotional, then maybe I'm just, I mean, tell, is this maybe what your circumstance was, but I know it would be for others of like, I'm going to go get more physical intimacy than if I don't, if I don't know how to access that emotional vulnerability within myself, would that be true? Yeah. Um, I think so. And I know that there was emotional vulnerability for him as well. So, um, you know, it was a romantic relationship. It wasn't just like, mm-hmm. he wasn't going and using like prostitutes. He developed a relationship with this woman. And, yeah. um, and so, and one of the, the thing that seared my heart. So found out about the affair, right. um, felt like the Lord was asking me to wait and to, before I made any decisions, because, um, he had shown some signs of repentance early on. And I had hope that this was, that we were going to be able to work through it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to decide how, how much to share, but, uh, after I had like fully taken him in mm-hmm. and we had, we had really reconciled and had, and bid together, mm-hmm. he decided the next day that he wanted to get an apartment and just have some space for me. And I just was like, this is not over. Um, mm-hmm. and he had told me that it was just physical. It took him actually a long time to admit that there was anything real. Um, but, uh, several months later, I found an email account and found correspondence that was, re- you know, in real time. And there, the, the love language that was used that like cauterized the wound for me. I mean, it hurt so badly, but it also was like a relief for me to know, have my answer. Sure. This is, um, this is really happening over for me Mm -hmm. now. And I, I went and got prayer at the healing rooms in Spokane. I don't know if you've heard of those, but, um, person prophesied over me. It was, it, I just felt so much peace come on to me. Wow interesting too. They said something about like my rescue coming from the North. And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to have to read about direction in the Bible. And, um, uh, but then I had so like this huge piece come over me, was able to go to his house and say, listen, um, I, I release you. You're, you know, you don't have to try anymore. Like we're, we're, uh, we'll, I see now that this, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then I really got to see a different side because he was so angry that I had exposed that. And, um, so yeah, that's really when I feel like the true healing for me started because then the wound was closed mm-hmm. and I had some answers. And um, I do believe that in that period of time, it could have gone either way. Sure. But the Lord asked me to wait because the Lord was waiting to see, um, you know, we have power with our choices. Yeah. We, you know, God, I, I don't always understand the the connection between God's sovereignty and his power and then the our free response and our will. Us. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And then, you know. I walked this period of healing and um, met a guy up north. Oh, wow. Moving up north. And um, that's where I live now and have this beautiful, whole, rich life that has exceeded what I had before. You know, you, you hear about the Lord's promise to restore what the locust has stolen. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, then, and that's, that's been my story. So and obviously there's still, there's still damage. My children have sure. split home and, um, that's more of the loss that I continue to grieve, but 
Yeah, totally. Man, I'm excited. I I know that we can't get to all the details in this yeah. in this podcast episode, but I'm excited that you're writing that book because I think that there's going to be so much treasure in there for those who are, you know, maybe those who are listening and they're going to want to get their hands on that um, for all the other, you know, the pieces of wisdom and the pieces yeah. of your story that will help them go through theirs. Uh, when you, you know, when you and I had some conversation about your story, you know, even a couple months back, mm-hmm. you were talking about how your, the way you were like your childhood was the way your family, your parents raised you, how you, you're, you still say like, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for the choices I made. You know, I made, yeah. Anyway, you probably know what I'm talking about. Can yeah. you share about what was the foundation that was laid in your life? The choices you made that ended up mm-hmm. kind of like sustaining you through this. Yeah. So I grew up in a really healthy Christian home, um, healthy spiritually, emotionally, and also the, the, um, the way that my parents modeled sexuality and t- like talked to us about sexuality was really, and now that I'm a parent, I understand it was very rare. And mm. especially in that time, they didn't have a lot of external resources, but we knew from really early on that sex was a beautiful, powerful, wonderful thing. And that our bodies were beautiful and powerful and wonderful. And that we were made for that kind of connection and that the safe place for us to have that was marriage. And, um, and we, you know, I was, uh, raised up in, in a youth group that really also um, fortified that in a healthy way. And I knew my worth, you know, my dad would take us out on dates once a month to the donut shop and uh, just spoke life over me. And, wow. and I knew by the way he treated me and the way that he treated my mother, that that's, that was the model for, um, for marriage and for love. And um, obviously they're not perfect, but he also pointed me to God and, and just, you know, so I had this, this early connection with the Lord and, and I feel I, I, you know, I struggled like every girl with insecurity and self-image stuff, but it was about as protected and whole as it could have been. Totally. And so I, I was really set up to succeed in terms of making decisions about my body and my worth. Um, I wanted boys to like me, but I always had a really high standard. And, uh, I think that scared off a lot of them actually. But, um, so my, my first husband was the, the first real serious relationship that I had. I had one um, boyfriend in high school that was very sweet and innocent, uh, but very short winded, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, so met, met my husband in college and we had a, we flirted with scripture notes, you know, like when his total Christian college relationship um, sure. and, you know, did, did Bible studies together and always were going to church, prayed together every night. It was very, you know, it was very Christ centered. Um, had our physical boundaries set up. I think like we didn't, we didn't kiss for like the first four months. Like we were very, you know, like had all these, you were aware like, you were setting yeah. boundaries. We, I mean, yeah. we pushed the boundaries because it, you know, like when two people are into each other, it gets, it gets intense, but I, yeah. you know, we made it to our wedding night as virgins and, and not just by the skin of our teeth, you know, we really saved a lot for each other and it was beautiful. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a young girl, I had had this prophet speak over me that my name was faithful and, um, and so I just, you know, felt like that was my call on my life and faithful to the Lord, faithful to this man, and just really enjoyed the fruit of that obedience inside of that marriage. And when that marriage erupted and, and was broken in such a horrific way, and I was, I was violated sexually because um, I, you know, I was exposed, I had to get an STD test, you know, like this, right. I was just like, I had, I never thought this was going to be my portion because like you said that, you know, I made all the right decisions. Um, but the Lord just reassured me that I was loved and that I was going to be loved. And, um, I can really say that the fruit of my obedience, some of it was born out and tasted in those years, but a lot of it has been born out past that relationship and in, 
into my second marriage and my life now. Wow. Um, and I, there's something really powerful about being able to look back at your life. Not that I don't have scars, but that I don't have a lot of regret. And I, I loved my husband faithfully. My body ha- has connected only with a man who is my husband. I mean, that there's just something really whole about that. And, mm. um, and I know God heals all sexual brokenness. He, he heals everything that we let him touch. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was mm. really, it helped me keep my, that, you know, I talked about that core identity. Yes. That that was, that's I am Ruth, and I knew that that, that, that personal identity had some real substance and some real strength. Um, even though my marital identity was in crisis. Yeah. Um, so I think that that was a, a big part of me in having such a, a great upbringing, which is, was out of my control, but also my obedience to the Lord throughout my life and my connection with him. He really was my anchor. You know, we, we talk about Jesus as our anchor, but the biggest storm of my life, there was a piece of me that was completely solid and steady. And, um, and so, yeah, I, that, that is possible for anyone to have that kind of security, even though people in your life or situations in your life that are out of your control can yeah. really affect you. There's a, there's a place inside of you that can be so secure that nothing can shake it. That's so beautiful. I just this week, I actually had a conversation with one of my sons who has just recently started um, in like in on a sports team in a sport that he's like pretty excited about. Uh, but I was talking to him and he was saying that he was feeling nervous. Like, what if I, what if I'm not good at it? You know? And, and, uh, I said, well, kind of this idea, I mean, this is the like child version of it, but it's the same, it's the same principle for us, no matter how old we get. I just said like, well, are you, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, should I share it? Should I say his name? Are you Haddon the football player? Is that who you are? Yeah. What if, what if you're not a football player? What are you going to do? Who do you still have anything left? And I'm like, who were you before you were a football player? So good. And he's like, um, Haddon, your son. Mm-hmm. I was like, exactly. Had in my son. So no matter how you do on the field, that's, you'll always be that. Cause you were that from the moment you were born, you mm-hmm. know? And, uh, I've been thinking about that verse in Ro- Romans eight, where it says like all of creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God and thinking about how the enemy works so hard to strip that core identity away from us, like to make us, you're nothing now you're nothing. And you know, we see this agenda, in society right now, you're, you're nothing. You actually have, it's, it, it's not solid. It's flips back and forth, depending on how you feel. You don't have an identity other than an identity of no identity. You know what I mean? But it's like, well, no, what, this is when creation groans and says, where, you know, where are the sons and daughters? Cause if we can hold on to that in the middle of the greatest storms of our life, in the middle of our failure, in the middle of our wounding, even in the, you know, the way this last year has played out of instability. It's like, who am I? Who am I? Um, I just, I just think that's so significant. So for those who maybe you're, you know, people listening, they're not in a marriage yet. Maybe they want to be one day or they're afraid to be because, you know, they're like, I don't want to get heartbroken. What would you say? Like when, when it connects like this piece of identity, what is it, what can they do now Mm -hmm. to like, like, of course the things will still hurt, but how can they make sure that they know who they are right now? Yeah. I think, you know, when we understand the order of things, you know, that, you know, I think it's C.S. Lewis says that evil is just disordered good Hmm. that, um, that of course your, your relationship status, it matters. It matters to you. God cares. He has, he has desires for you. He has plans for you. 
Um, and he cares. And so if you're in a season of waiting, like that, that does matter. But like you're saying, the most important thing about your son is not his activity status or his, you know, how, how he succeeds at something that he does. It's in his, his core identity as your son, but ultimately as God's son. And I, yes. I think just stewarding that connection with the Lord, if you are connected with the spirit of the living God, you will have what you need at all times. Wow. And I think the sooner that, that you learn and accept your ownership of, of yourself and stewarding that connection, um, your, your, you know, you, you own your, your choices and you're responsible for your own health and happiness, um, not someone else's and no one else is responsible for that for you, the healthier you'll be and the more you'll bring to a relationship. So whether you're married or not, stewarding yourself and your own heart and your own life is the only way to be healthy and to, I don't want to say happy, happy, happy comes and goes, but, but healthy wholeness, like that's where, I mean, whole, you can be whole and suffering. You can be whole and just winning at life. Um, that's what I want for myself. And what I want for my children is wholeness. And that can only be found in Christ. The world says, you know, find yourself. And that's, that's a line that a lot of people, you know, I'm just trying to find myself, find my truth. And, um, and really the, the gospel, we, we build an upside down kingdom with Jesus and we, we lose ourselves inside of Christ. And that's where we're really found is in Christ. And Hmm. if you are in him, you have everything you need, whether you're single or married. Um, and if you're outside of him, you can have everything that you want right now. You could have all of that. And if you're outside of Christ, then you, you will have lack and yeah. And it sounds basic and simple, but I I've just seen so many people not really believe that truth that, that Jesus is enough for us. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a tattoo on my arm that says enough. It's a reminder to me that Jesus is enough. God is enough for me that in him, I am enough that I have enough. Um, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard to watch people who are, um, married to wonderful people, disillusioned and disappointed because their spouse can't fulfill that longing that they have inside of them. And yeah, I know for me, I had to wrestle with that. I, you know, I had this marriage that didn't turn out well and right. he pivoted away from the Lord and, and from me. And there was this temptation to think, well, that was just a bad marriage. And so then I found this good man and I was like, Oh, everything's going to be better now. And he's going to fulfill things that this first husband couldn't fulfill. And at the end of the day, he's still a human and mm-hmm. still is not built to be a God <laughs> that's idolatry, you know? And so I, I still have to dismantle that altar in my own heart and continue to keep God at the, at the center and on the throne of my life. So, and, and it's not something you arrive at. I mean, you can right. probably attest to this, but totally. it's a, it's a walk, it's a journey, it's a dance. And um, you can always, you can always get back up again and, and keep at it. Like if you really have had a season where you've, you know, if you're, if you're single and you've just been so focused on finding someone, yeah, um, it's not too late. If you're, if you're married and you've been so disillusioned that your spouse isn't fulfilling you, like it's not too late to ask Jesus to touch it and give you new perspectives. I think that's amazing. I love that you put that place that you bring the link to when we, when we make somebody else be our everything or like fulfill us, the Bible would call that idolatry. We've yes. put them on a throne and said, be God to me, yes. be my provider, be my protector, be my sustainer, you know, be my, be my everything, you know, and, and it is, it is complex to try to figure out how to, you know, uh, you know, even I think of first Corinthians where Paul is saying like, man, if you're single, you know, right. you might want to stay that way. It's a little bit less complicated. You can just serve God, just you and him. 
because uh, when you get married, you're going to have to wrestle between pleasing God and pleasing your spouse. And, you know, and it, it is, it is complex. So we're not, you know, I'm not, we don't, we're not trying to say that it's not, it's like God does desire connection for us. And if that's in your heart, like that's a good thing. That's it's a reflection cool. even on earth of Christ and the church or a shadow on earth, you know? Um, but to be constantly bringing our place of worship back to the one who can handle all that pressure and all of that praise, you know, and, uh, and then seeing each other as teammates, this is where it's funny how like, do- like, you know, doctrine can actually really change your marriage. Cause if you understand the doctrine that we are all fallible, that we all ha- are like broken without Christ, you know, then we actually have that place of mercy for our spouse too. I know that that's doctrines change my marriage, you know? Yes. I am um, theology junkie over here. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, okay. So just in closing today, thank you. I mean, man, thank you so much for all that you've shared already. Um, you know, maybe for somebody who's listening and they are in a season where they maybe feel like their marriage is in danger of dying, uh, due to, uh, due to adultery, either their own or their spouse's adultery. Um, what could, what would be a place that you think that they need to start? What can they do? Yeah. I think, I mean, if you, if you are in engaged in adultery, I just want to say, thank you for listening this far and to know like God has, has mercy for you. And um, and forgiveness and, and healing. Uh, and I know that there's, like I said, that there's, there's an addiction element and, a there's this real deep, I mean, that's, that's a result of a real deep issue and, uh, God has an answer for that. And so the first thing I would say is to, to confess to someone who is safe and, and help you, um, confess to your spouse <clears throat> and then to, to understand that, yes, it might, um, it might cost you your marriage, um, but that has already happened, you know, and, and yeah. the confession and the, and the giving your, giving your spouse the honor of knowing the truth, um, is, is a really important piece of obe- obeying the Lord and, and then honoring what they need. And if they need to, you know, file that death certificate and move on to, to honor them in that, in that process, if they need X, Y, and Z for, for boundaries and time and all that, you know, to, to give them what they need. And I know that again, that the church has a lot of resources. I know that there, there's a book, um, I'll say by Linda McDowell, I might not have that name right, but how to help your spouse heal after from your affair. So wow. there's, there's, there's resources out there to help with that. Um, if you are on the receiving end, if you're, if you've been violated by an affair, um, I would just encourage you to get to a, a safe place. So I you know, sometimes think about it as like, there's, there's this house burning from, from this decision and you need to, you need to get out of the house. You need to get into safety. And there is a possibility that um, that things can be saved, but you need to firstly understand that um, the enemy is at work and has convinced your spouse with a whole litany of lies to get them to this spot. And the enemy also wants to take you out by lying to you. And yes. so you need to find um, find someone in your life who's going to be able to speak truth over you. This was not your fault. There's nothing that you can do to make someone love you. And there's nothing that you can do to make someone leave you. Um, and also understand that 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 part of you that existed before this marriage is still there and that God has a path of healing and wholeness for you. There is hope whether your marriage survives or it doesn't, you will survive. And God has a, has a plan and a purpose and, and Beautiful. God understands your pain. I think it's so important for us to know that God grieved. He 
he roared, he, he raged when Israel was unfaithful to him. He understands. Um, And, and he also showed mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation is optional, but forgiveness is not when we walk with the Lord. It's, it's the, it's the secure um, sign of healing in someone's life is, is forgiveness. And, um, and yeah, and I, um, you know, I, I coach women through this process. And so, um, my contact information will be available too. like, I'm happy to, to consult. And, um, if I, you know, if my, if my caseload gets too full, then I can refer, but, um, I think there's something really special about walking alongside someone who's gone through what you've yeah. gone through and every situation is unique, but, um, there's a, I call this sisterhood that we don't want anybody else to join, but, um, the ranks grow and there's a lot of healing and hope from being, um, in connection with women who've walked through that. So beautiful, man, Ruth, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a, such a pleasure to chat, chat with you. Yeah. Uh, we will definitely link some of these resources and, and your, you know, your profile on Instagram and, um, your website, we'll put that onto our show notes, but for anyone who just wants to go and start following Ruth right now, you can find her at Ruth a Erickson. Um, and you find her on, on uh, Instagram there. And her website is Ruth or you can email her at info at Ruth Erickson. So you've made it very straightforward for people. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to stay in touch. And when your book, when your book releases, then we'll have to make sure, you know, we can let people know where to find that as well. I love that. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much Bonnie. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.